In the holy name of Jesus, amen. <clears throat> okay, let's start before there was a start, at a time before there was time. There were three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they were one. And together they lived in divine order and divine community and divine love. It was the glorious dance of the Holy Trinity. It was beauty. It was light. It was joy, and all was well. Then came you, and then came I, and that was good news too. There is only one like you, and there is only one like me, and you and I were made to be loved, made to live within that beauty and light and order. You and I were made to join that divine dance, to live with God in perfect joy and perfect love. Sin is the name for whatever ruins any of that. And to explain sin, we've got the story of Adam and Eve, the story of those who would not live within divine love, the story of those who would not do as they were told, even though what they were told was for their good. Don't dive into that, it's shallow. Don't eat that, it's deadly. Don't go over there, that's dangerous. Don't touch that, it's hot. You get the idea, I think. What they were told, they were told not in order to spoil their fun, but to keep them safe, to keep them within divine love. It was for their own good. But the story of Adam is the story of a man who thought he could be a better God than God. And so he traded divine things for human things. It is ultimately the story of a man who breaks himself and poisons the world around him. The question for today is, now what? What do you and I do with lives that are broken and poisoned as we live in a world that is so often joyless and disordered, loveless and so far from the divine? In the gospel for this morning, we discover that the Pharisees have one answer and that Jesus has quite another. As you think of that, think of this. School started this past week. As soon as there is school, there will be recess. As soon as there is recess, there will be teasing. As soon as there is teasing, there will be tears. And as soon as there are tears, we know that judgment and power and dominance and disorder have been reestablished on the playground. Welcome to the academic year 2012-2013. Teasing is the way of the Pharisees. And here's the thing about teasing. Teasing works so well because in some sense it is true. The very best bully is the one that can find out exactly where we are most broken or insecure or fearful or embarrassed. 
and then display that for all the world to see. The same is true, by the way, for sarcasm, political satire, attack ads, reality shows, TMZ, and the Wonder Wall. They all work the same way. They work because they exploit our weaknesses. Today in the Gospel, it starts like this. Jesus, your disciples eat with unwashed hands. But it could have been anything. Your nose is too big. Your father was a drunk. You don't have a job. You're not from the right family. You could lose a little weight. You're sick. Your kids are horrible. You went to the wrong school. You've got the wrong family. Your politics are all mixed up. It could be anything. And some of that is probably true. And everybody here today has got some of that going on. But just tagging it is not enough. That, you see, is why Jesus calls the Pharisees pretenders. To be a hypocrite is to be a pretender. They can show us where we're broken, but they cannot fix us. The Pharisees' remedy for things gone wrong is to make more rules. Perhaps all of you could just work a bit harder, wash a bit longer, pay a little more attention, do a bit better, be like us. The Pharisees' answer to a world that is broken and poisoned is our work. But you all know that our work is never enough to make wrongs right. And so Jesus gives just the opposite answer. Jesus doesn't give us more work. Jesus gives us more gifts. Jesus sees our pain. One of the great things about Jesus is he knows where all your tender spots are. The things that, fi that you find most embarrassing about yourself, our fears, our insecurities, even our deepest, most ugly secrets. Jesus knows them all. And still Jesus stays with us. Still Jesus loves us. Luther had it right. He said, Jesus doesn't enter the room and love you who are lovable. Jesus comes again this morning and he loves the unlovable. This morning, Jesus doesn't give you homework to make your wrongs right. You and I are too wrecked for that. If we could fix ourselves, we would have done it by now. If we could fix ourselves, our restlessness would have been gone long ago. But the story of the world shows us that fix is beyond us, and so Jesus' way is quite different. Jesus' way is giving gifts, and the gift he gives is divine love. Love comes to us and it kills the things in us that are sinful by drawing us near and cleansing us, by forgiving us and healing us, by blessing us and energizing us to do some good. When Jesus loves you into his church, he gives you hope to live again in Eden, to live like the Holy Trinity. He gives you hope for friendships, 
for family and community, for order and beauty and light. Jesus gives you hope for love. To be loved is to be forgiven. And that's a wonderful thing. We can't ever be Pharisees about that. And we can't ever make it harder than it is. This week I read about a priest who was trying to get his congregation to come to confession more often. He said, for anything short of genocide, I just give one Hail Mary. I'd like to be known as the easy priest, because then people will come back. That's pretty good. We were made for love. We were made for gifts. Ridicule and judgment are always dehumanizing. But love is life-giving. And that is the difference between the way of Jesus and the way of the Pharisees. Between what is real and what is pretend. Between our works and God's divine work in Jesus Christ. Between the way of the world and the way of holy things now about to touch you in the Holy Eucharist. Let's try his way. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. amen.